0: The Daily 202's big idea is sponsored by the American Beverage Association. Coke, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi are offering more choices, smaller portions, less sugar. Learn more at balanceus.org. Good morning, I'm James Holman from the Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, May 20th. In today's news, a rocket lands in the green zone. As President Trump rolls back environmental protections and enforcement, More than a dozen states seek to fill the void. And some college graduates in Atlanta got an extraordinary gift. But first, the big idea. Former Vice President Joe Biden defends his support for the 1994 crime bill that many blame for the mass incarceration of African-Americans he declares that most Americans are satisfied with the private health insurance system reviled by the left. He justifies NAFTA as a pact that made sense at the moment. And to the dismay of many liberals, he won't even endorse a study of reparations for the descendants of slaves, saying the nation has better ways to fight racism. In his opening weeks as a presidential candidate, Biden has rejected much of the conventional wisdom that drove the opening stretch of the Democratic-nominating fight. He's refused to pander to the party's liberal wing, to focus on the wrongs of the past, or to call for transformative change. To the surprise of many, he has been rewarded with a lead in the polls that, so far at least, has proven durable and steady. As a result, his candidacy is challenging assumptions about what Democratic voters want in the era of Donald Trump. At its heart, Biden's campaign is a gamble that his rivals are wrong in seeing the current Democratic Party as liberal, angry, and ready for revolution. For Biden's team, the Democrats jockeying for ever more dramatic solutions to the nation's problems are missing the point. They think the Democratic Party is already fundamentally different from the GOP, which has shifted rapidly to the right on many issues in recent years. They say there's no need to answer that with a lurch to the left. A January poll by the Pew Research Center, supports that idea. 58% of Republicans wanted their party to become more conservative. In contrast, the same poll showed that 53% of Democrats want their party to become more moderate. Biden's team says the party's center of gravity lies less with the vocal activists who tweet all day and watch MSNBC all night than with a quieter group of voters who yearn for a return to normalcy. In the latest polling, Biden has the support of 35% of Democratic primary voters nationally, putting him 18 percentage points ahead of his closest rival, Bernie Sanders. Many of Biden's opponents still have a very different message than he does. Candidates like Bernie or Elizabeth Warren say that Trump's rise is not an aberration, but the culmination of deeper rot in the American political system that requires major surgery. For Biden, though, the problem is Trump himself. He often says the country just needs to get back to basics. Biden's more liberal critics say his current lead in the polls is temporary and doesn't reflect support for his incrementalist approach, just his name recognition and his association with Barack Obama. To be sure, the former VP has taken more liberal stances on some issues, trying to capture the zeitgeist of the party, he now supports a $15 minimum wage, he's endorsed a public option to bolster the Affordable Care Act, and he recently said he wants to decriminalize marijuana. Still, critics say Biden's record includes positions that devastated Hillary Clinton when she ran for president in 2008 and 2016, including support for the Iraq War, perceived coziness with Wall Street, and support for NAFTA and other free trade deals. But there's another explanation for Biden's early polling lead, too. Primary voters aren't as focused on litmus tests as the activists are because they want to beat Trump, first and foremost. The latest Suffolk USA Today poll found that half of Democrats and independents said they prioritized supporting a candidate who could win more than they wanted someone who shared their priorities and policy views. But what happens if Biden, who is 76 years old and would be 78, in January 2021, if he becomes president, loses that patina of electability. The best thing going for him right now is that people think he can win. If he stumbles, his strategy means he could lose that. Republicans say they can beat Biden in the general election by running the same playbook that they did against Clinton. He first got elected to the Senate in 1972, the same year Richard Nixon won re-election. Republicans will say he's responsible for the country's problems, that he had half a century to fix them, including eight years working in the White House, but that they only got worse. In some ways, Republicans say they'd rather face Biden than some of the more liberal alternatives running for the Democratic nomination. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar as we start the week. Number one, a rocket landed on Sunday afternoon inside Baghdad's heavily fortified green zone which houses the sprawling U.S. embassy. The rocket landed less than a mile from the embassy near Iraq's parliament building. It caused no injuries or serious damage, but the timing of the launch has increased worries inside Iraq that it will be drawn into a conflict between two of its closest allies, the United States and Iran. There was no immediate claim of responsibility, but suspicion among Iraqi officials and Western diplomats quickly fell on one of the Shiite militias that draw their strength from Iranian support. Last week, the State Department took the extraordinary step of ordering all non-essential staff to leave the American embassy. Shiite militias with deep ties to Tehran have gained unprecedented political and military power over the past three years, and they've repeatedly used rocket launches like the one yesterday to word American diplomatic missions when they want to express their displeasure with U.S. policies. On Sunday afternoon, Trump tweeted, quote, "...if Iran wants to fight, that will be the official end of Iran." Never threaten the United States again, end quote number two, more than a dozen states are moving to strengthen environmental protections to combat a range of issues from climate change to water pollution, opening a widening rift between stringent state policies and the Trump administration's deregulatory agenda in recent months, Hawaii, New York, and California have moved to ban a widely used agricultural pesticide linked to neurological problems in children, even as Trump has resisted such restrictions. Michigan and New Jersey are pushing to restrict a ubiquitous class of chemical compounds that have turned up in drinking water, saying they can no longer wait for the Environmental Protection Agency to take action. Colorado and New Mexico have adopted new policies targeting greenhouse gas emissions from fossil fuel drilling and limiting where those operations can take place. And more than a dozen states, including some of those and others, have adopted new policies that would force automakers to produce more fuel-efficient cars than required by federal standards, which Trump has been rolling back. The growing patchwork of regulations is creating uncertainty for American businesses, as state lawmakers vie to change rules that in past administrations were more likely to be set at the federal level. Number 3. It was a hot, sticky Sunday morning in Atlanta, when billionaire investor Robert F. Smith stood atop an outdoor stage on the campus of Morehouse College and started delivering a speech that the 400 graduates probably thought would be the usual commencement fair. Smith, the wealthiest African American in the country, described being bussed to a high-performing, predominantly white school across town in Denver, where he grew up. Smith told the graduates how he launched his lucrative career in private equity. Then, he broke from his prepared remarks to announce that he will pay off all the student loans of everyone in the graduating class. The grads and their families were speechless for a moment before erupting in cheers and shouts of disbelief. No one at the historically black college, including the president, knew that Smith, who's famously private, even reclusive, planned this. He noted that he started his career as a chemical engineer who spent pretty much every waking hour in windowless labs doing the work that helped him become an expert in his field. That, he explained, was the foundation for his success. Only after he put in the time to develop this expertise and the discipline of the scientific process was he able to become a successful investor. Greatness is born out of the grind, he explained. He closed by urging the lucky students to, quote, embrace the grind. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, May 20th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.